Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. This is one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined, as always, by Eric Trexler. How are you doing, Eric? Doing well, Erica, after a little break. I was going to say, yeah, we have we took a little two-week uh, summer break. Did you do anything interesting with your time away? I guess away from the podcast, and I have been away from the world. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with customers and running the business. Well, that sounds like fun. <laughs> There are components. Yes. How about about you? Um, Did a little bit of traveling, um, but mostly just, um, you know, on the regular grind, but did get to spend a few weeks um, in Mexico, not a few weeks, a few days in Mexico, wishful thinking. So. (laughs) And you came back in one piece? Yes. Came back in one piece and excited to jump back into our podcast. So we're, uh, we have a good guest today. So let's, let's, let's get to it to the point, right? Let's do it. Okay. So we have Chris uh, Sather from um, Forcepoint and Chris, you managed the, the gateway um, security business um, for, for Forcepoint. Uh, First, just want to ask you a question. When I hear someone that has a title like that, what what did you want to be when you grew up and how close is it to what you're doing on a day to day basis? So, first of all, thanks for having me Um, uh, for the counseling session on careers. It's about as far away (laughs) from my my chosen path. So my uh, my original background was geological engineering and uh, I I designed landfills originally Um, and about that time I had uh, come across this little problem with the year 2000 projects and um, that's kind of what started transitioning me into into IT and from there into network consulting and security and product management and and the overall business side of of the industry that I'm involved in and have been for the last 15 20 years now so you know it's interesting Christopher we uh, we speak a lot on the program about the talent gap the shortage in critical security talent I've personally spoken a bunch about some of the best cybersecurity personnel are artists, musicians, mm-hmm. that diverse background. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I did not know that about you. Well, I, you know, I think one of the things that helps drive that, right, is when you're, um, when you're talking about a lot of technology, right, if you're talking about designing chips or you're talking about, you know, getting down to the, the nuts and bolts of the electronics pieces, there's a lot of math. There's a lot of physics. When you get into security, you start to touch on the human element, right? And you start to talk about people and what people's mindsets are. And I think that's why you start to see a lot of people that may come from other engineering backgrounds or they may come from completely different fields that have a, you know, I think some of the smartest people I know that have gone on to found companies come from physics back, backgrounds, right? And they, they just have a different view on things. And, you know, security is a, it's a wide reaching field and it, it touches pretty much every aspect of our life. So I think that's, it's a, it, it's a great area to be in and it's been a good career so far. So. Well, and there's a lot of job security in, in, in the industry right now, right? Because things are even, are just getting more complex by the day. There is absolutely. I think the, uh, the, the complexity is not reducing, right? I mean, if you, it, we start to think about how much easier our lives are, quote unquote. But, um, you know, I was gone on vacation two weeks ago and um, uh, we did a, a trip across part of the Midwest and went out to visit Mount Rushmore and a couple of our national parks. And 
it, it takes something like that where you have no cell signal and, and no connectivity to the outside world to realize how complex our world actually has become, right? I mean, you, you, we really rely on technology for from the time we get up to the time we you know go to bed at the end of the day and trying to explain to your kids what the weather's going to be like without having a cell phone <laughs> to look it up is it's a challenge so yeah it's a it's a unique place that we live in right now and um you know i think with that comes a lot of challenges um but there's a lot of opportunity as well so you know that's what's kept me in this field is is looking at what some of those challenges are and how we can help try to solve them and you know keep moving forward and enjoy the benefits of of all the technology we have without it hindering our lives too much. Well, and on that same- Talk about the future, technology. Oh, go ahead, Eric. No, go ahead. I like where you're going. So technology is expanding. I think, I think most people would agree with that. Uh, you know, talk about the future, Chris. You are dealing with the gateway products. You know, how are you, you know, how do you look at where the future is going to go and how do we make that secure for people's lives? So I think there's there's a couple aspects of it, right? One is where is the security done? And I think we're on a, a, a bit of a, a roller coaster, right, that never stops. You're always going to come back to the beginning. So, you know, we've gone full circle from mainframe computing to everything got pushed out to the client side. And now we're going back to you can call it cloud. Um, you know, if it was, you know, my parents' generation, they would have called it, you know, mainframe computing and pre computing, right? I mean, everything was centralized from centralized processing, storage, everything. So the, you know, I think the challenges that the industry has gone through is both managing and dealing with the different threats that come up, right? But almost a bigger part of it is where you, where you actually deploy that security has to continually evolve, right? And, and understanding how you evolve with the workloads people are doing, right? I mean, the, the, you know, my day-to-day job, the majority of my life can be done, you know, through a single web portal where I get access to all my apps. I'm centrally authenticated to all of them and all of those components and, and, you know, responsible data and everything that I care about from a company perspective is sitting up in the cloud somewhere. Right. And so we, we've, we've gone through this evolution of protecting everything on premise. And now we're um, transitioning to this on cloud world. But the simple fact of the matter is, is the people and the devices, right. Connecting to it, they don't live in the cloud. They still live on premise or at the coffee shop or at their home office or at the corporate headquarters. So you have to, you know, look at things from a, a hybrid perspective and, and where can we best fit in the pieces that we want to, you know, investigate the, the, the traffic flows or the user behaviors and, and, and then decide where it's optimal to apply the security methods we want to apply, or maybe we're not going to apply security methods. Maybe we're just going to take a look at what's actually occurring, right? Because the, the informational piece of it and understanding and being able to create the analytics behind it obviously gives you a lot of insight into things that, you may not have had if you automatically stop something up front. So um, the first instance that you would see something. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a continually evolving um, economy, right? It's a, the world is moving at a faster pace and that all ties into to the job we do and where we, and how we apply the security, you know, methods that we've all kind of grown up learning that work best in different environments. So. Okay. Erica. 
just that gave me a lot to think about there, <laughs> Christopher. That was that was really a thoughtful response. So in terms of, um, you know, when we look at the industry as a whole, and, and you mentioned this earlier, when we think about the complexities and just how we uh, approach it, I mean, um, where, where do you, um, where do you see most of the, these, these challenges at a, a probably a, a, maybe a more granular level? So, uh, you know, I, I exist on the vendor side of the house, right. But, but, in order for me to be successful and to deliver, you know, what we need to deliver that, you know, we have to understand the customers. And I think the, the biggest challenge our customers have been facing is twofold. One, it's the complexity of the environments, right? They have a moving target of, of, um, of evolution of technology, right? Everyone in their company uses the most current thing and they want those same types of services and they want to be be able to deliver those services to their customers. And I think the second piece is how do you actually manage that level of complexity when they open the, you know, or they go to a trade show or open kind of the yellow book of, of, of vendors that they can look at. The challenge I think they have is there's, you know, 800, 900, a thousand security vendors that all have really good ideas and do, pretty much a consistent focus on delivering value to the end customer, right? And I think that becomes one of the challenges is how, how can a, if I'm a customer, how can I reduce the complexity both of my own environment as well as what I'm managing? And I think, you know, that's where you start to see a lot of combinations coming together of companies, either through acquisitions or partnerships where, you know, the, in order to deliver security, you really have to have a comprehensive solution set that looks at kind of a multitude of pieces, right? A single point product or a single point solution doesn't really get you to where you need to be. And when you're, you know, in a, in a corporation, right, it's very easy to have 2000 employees and end up with 50, 60 security tools. And at that point, you're talking an IT department that might have a couple of security practitioners. And that's just not practical at that point. You know, people are pretty much putting a target on their back and saying, you know, we're here to to take what you want from us. So um, I think, you know, reducing the complexity of both what they're trying to accomplish, right? So they understand the scope of their business as well as, as trying to reduce the complexity of how they're protecting things and making it more simple um, just benefits everybody across the board, whether it's on the vendor side, it's on the customer side, or it's on the, you know, consumer side of whoever that customer may be providing their services to, so... I want to touch on something you said, Christopher, around, you know, mainframe, the cycle to to client server to kind of back, um, you know, and I absolutely agree with you. We see these long cycles in, in the IT world and what's old becomes new again. But mm-hmm. I think the complexity playing off of what you just said, it, it's a little more complex, right? In the in the in the 80s, this, the company may have had a mainframe, which hosted the applications a user would work with or the primary applications and ran the business. Today, it's a really distributed environment which consumers have for their personal lives, but when they go to work, they also have that distributed, while the the computer, the the laptop, the whatever desktop you're working on, the mobile device, may be connecting to a cloud service, which is very mainframe-like, it's probably connecting to 50 or 100 of them, or at least three to five. Yeah, absolutely. So the security components 
become more difficult. The security, the control capability becomes much more critical, but also complicated than securing the old mainframe. Additionally, our lives are much more digital as we go through this, what many people call digital transformation. Yeah. So as we digitize, it's so much more difficult. It's it's what's old is new, but times 10. Yeah, and I think, right, from a, a, a at the, at the heart of it, right, I'm a product guy. And if I'm trying to build a product and I remove myself from the security industry, if I'm trying to build a service that I want to sell to someone um, or if I'm trying to build an actual material product that someone's going to utilize, you know, the, the goal at the end of the day for all, right, the, the end result if you're successful doing that is all the technology is hidden, right? You You end up with a product that, a two-year-old, right? If you if you take probably the best example of this is an iPhone, right? You take an iPad or something like that. The gold standard is can you give it to a two or three-year-old, right? If you go ask your grandparents, right? The, the 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 young kids are the ones that can learn and show that that incredibly complicated, powerful device. And so I think with that, right, people start to lose some sense of the actual complications and the, and and all the bits and bytes that go into all of that componentry on the back end, right? And I think one of the things that starts to happen is you have to look for new ways to solve the old problems. So you end up in, you know, things which are being looked at right now where you have micro segmentation where you're not necessarily looking at securing the old office structure, right? Where you're saying, I'm going to have a single pipe coming in with internet data and corporate data, and I'm going to have a single choke point where I'm going to have the ability to inspect all that. You might be inspecting every individual workload that's traveling through your network, right? You might be uh, attaching security to every individual device or uh, every individual data chunk, depending upon what size it is. I think the other piece of it is how can you start to understand, right? Just like if you look at security, we, we we're talking about, um, you know, people's career choices and in security find people with a lot of diverse backgrounds, right? And the the psychological element of that comes in because those people focus on what humans do, why do humans make the choices they make? And you end up having to look for solutions that delve into those types of things, right? And when you're talking about anything about how a human reacts or how a human makes a choice, what you're really trying to figure out is what the human's behavior is, right? And what risk is that human presenting to my data, to my company, to, to the organization itself? And so I think you'll start to see the, the, the goal of, of collaborating all of that information into a kind of an analytics view to start to create a picture of what is my risk profile, right? We have that today from a credit card company, right? If you wanna go buy a car, you wanna go buy a house, Someone has consolidated a large amount of financial data to say, hey, very easily, this person is a low risk, medium risk or high risk. We don't have that today. Right. And I think that's one of the things that consolidation and simplifying that view, just like we talked about with a young kid being able to to, to operate this incredibly complex device. It's the same way with the security practitioner. You don't want them to have to focus on 500 tools. Right. You don't want to have to have them writing scripts to pull data out of databases just to find that one needle in the haystack. You want them to be able to be the psychologist, right? To say, hey, this behavior, this isn't a behavior that we should be seeing given 
what we do as a business and that's what we want to investigate is that person or that behavior, that entity. So that's my view on it. I mean, I think it, it it's it, it's a wide topic, right? So we could talk about it probably for hours. But. <laughs> no, well, I, I agree. I mean, Erica, when, when we travel internationally, you just went to Mexico, you said. The credit card companies know you're in Mexico. Right. Right? <laughs> Very quickly. And they know when you're not in many cases. Yeah. How do these... How do these financial institutions know about our lives at this level? And yet we can't even do that in the businesses we work in and the applications we use. We don't do it as effectively. It still baffles me. I know it's a complex problem. We work on it all the time. But if you know I'm traveling and you can lock me down or not, you know when I'm not traveling, you should be able to bring similar capability to security. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and Chris, as we um, start to, to wrap, I, I, you know, and just thinking about some of the um, some of the things you just said, you know, what, where do you see zero trust playing in that? You know, we've had some recent or we've heard in the news of some recent um, data breaches. And there's just been a, a lot of discussion that I've read about saying um, that these are more evidence that, you know, we need more of a zero trust security architecture. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Eric, can you bring up zero trust as we're wrapping up? I know, right? <laughs> so I, yeah, so and, I and 30, and, and 30 words or less, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I actually, um, I just had this conversation last week. So I, I think zero trust on, on the surface is a great idea, right? I think that the problem is if you, it, everything we've been talking about, right, is digital transformation and this merging of the technology in your day-to-day life, right? Whether How you interact with the data, how you interact with all these pieces. And I think, you know, one of the, the, the conversation topic last week was what are we doing around zero trust? Is zero trust a good thing? And the question was posed, right? Do you want to live in a world that has zero trust, right? And everyone paused and thought, well, that's insane, right? I mean, if you have a world that is zero trust, are you going to cross the street? Are you going to want to turn on the light switch, right? That The amount of trust required, if you think about you have to have trusted and built up a respect that the electrician who wired that light switch did a good job and you're not going to get shocked, right? That when you go down the elevator, the elevator is going to function and not drop five floors, right? Your entire day and every action you take is built around trust. And it's become so inherent in people's interaction with technology, you don't even realize it anymore. So I think while the idea of it, it, you know, the, the, it's an interesting topic. I think there's an evolution that we're going to see very quickly where people start to understand that that's not a very good way to live life, right? It may be an effective way to a certain degree, but at the end of the day, we don't want to prevent people from just doing bad things. We want to enable people to have the quality of life they want. We want to enable people to travel to Mexico or to <laughs> France or mm-hmm. wherever they're going to go, right? So I think that's the the goal from our industry, from the security industry, should be not necessarily about just finding the bad pieces and preventing and catching the bad actors. It should be about enabling the good, right, and and kind of releasing that. And I think when you pitch things that way and flip it on its head, I think zero trust becomes a problem because at that point, they're not compatible, right? What you actually want is a world where you have in an innate amount of things, right? And that's probably your primary view on things, but you're going to verify and you're going to do additional things to know when you need to say, okay, I shouldn't be trusting this situation as opposed to the inverse. So I think it's just, it's the glass that you, you know, you look at the world through, right? Is it half full 
mm-hmm. half empty or <laughs> the, my favorite one is right. The glass is twice as tall as it should be. So um, <laughs> I, like I think there's, there's different ways to look at it, but I think, you know, a, a, a positive way would be a much better world for everybody involved. So no, that's a good, good look at it. We, we've talked a lot about trust on this podcast and I think we all agree you must trust. Society must have trust. Without a trust, we don't have society. We don't have communications. I, I look at zero trust as never trust, always verify. Yeah, trust but verify. And, and really just verifying who you are, right, who you are. I mean, look at the uh, – Erica, keeping it topical. We just had a big breach with Cap One, where an insider essentially accessed data in an S3 bucket and, and, and took it, published it, right? Um, they reacted very quickly, but, but that insider – will assume used legitimate credentials. They were trusted, right? They were verified over and over again. What wasn't happening, what, what didn't happen, I should say, is they didn't take it one step further and look at the behavior, the intent, mm-hmm. which is where I think we need to go, Yeah. right? What so, is the intent of this validated user? Are they allowed to do this, this behavior? Are they allowed to conduct this activity? And therefore there, you know, there was a breach. Yeah, that and that goes all the way back to the beginning story. of the sorry, so that goes all the way back to the beginning, right? I mean, you start to talk about the psychology and the people from music and arts, right? It's about the humans are interacting with the day. I mean, no matter how many bits and bytes math equations are involved, it's about the humans that are interacting with it and what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that that's where the trust story really starts to paint a different picture than if you just look at the marketing terms. So. Well, thank you, Christopher. We we definitely appreciate your time on the podcast today. I think you've um, you've given a lot of good insight and some some things for us to think about. So, appreciate you and uh, thanks, Eric, and thanks to all of our listeners this week. We appreciate you uh, taking a break with us, but we're we're back in the saddle. We'll be here back every week with new episodes of To the Point Cybersecurity. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. It's great to be back. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 